Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. You're listening to Breakdown, an exclusive podcast by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This season, Predator MD, part of the Journal-Constitution's special investigative project, Doctors and Sex Abuse. You can learn more about the project and this podcast at AJCBreakdown.com. It kind of reminds you of a rape victim, in a way, because you have your innocence taken from you. So it was, it was some form of innocence that was taken from you. Three years of hell started on an exam room table. LaToya Kelly took off her shirt, her belt, her shoes. The man with a stethoscope stood over her. He listened to her heart, He listened to her breathe. He checked her eyes. Then he told her to lie back. So she stretched out on the crinkly paper that covers the examining table in every doctor's office. In a corner of the room, Latoya's boyfriend, Terry Davis, sat on the edge of a chair, watching everything the man did. But it made little difference to Dr. Vinny Gupta. This time, he wasn't just going to fondle another unwitting female patient, as he had done so many times before. He would do it with the woman's boyfriend in the room, watching. Latoya, a 27-year-old from Lawrenceville, went to Dr. Gupta that day because of her high blood pressure, which she blamed on the long hours and high stress at her job as a trucking company dispatcher. Police would later determine that what Dr. Gupta did to her was no medical procedure. It was a crime. So I'm laying on the table, and he's listening to my heart. And he tells me to unbuckle my pants and unzip them. Me being a patient, I I don't know. So I do just that. And after I did that, um, Dr. Gupta started pressing around on my stomach area and things like that and started going down in my pants, touching on my private areas. She shot a glance at her boyfriend who leapt to his feet. I asked questions. I'm like, well, why are you reaching down there? What are you looking for in this area? I'm assuming I asked too many questions because he asked me to leave the room. Later, as the two checked out of the office, Dr. Gupta said his goodbyes. Latoya would later tell police that he kissed her on the cheek three times and that he told her he wanted to be her friend first and her doctor second. He gave Terry a double-clasped handshake. In the car, Latoya and Terry sat stunned. They talked about the bizarre encounter they'd just had. How Terry couldn't think of any reason a diabetes hypertension doctor should be putting his hands down his girlfriend's pants. How Latoya felt uncomfortable with the way he put his hands on her and hugged her and kissed her. Terry even joked that he thought about knocking the doctor's block off. How they decided to handle it seems hard to believe. They did nothing. Latoya would go back to Dr. Gupta again. And she did it at her boyfriend's urging. And the next appointment would be even worse. Both of them had found a classic pitfall of victim psychology. They doubted themselves. Gupta was a doctor. Surely he knew what he was doing. I was so nervous about her hypertension, I know how drastic that was, that I wanted her to get help for it. But 
And I, I really feel bad about it because I just assumed, I, actually, I chalked up my feelings about the first one to maybe my own insecurities about being not knowledgeable enough to understand or, or whatever it was. So I kind of, I persuaded her to go again because she felt uncomfortable even after the first one. Neither of them had any idea what kind of twisted domain they had just entered or of the terrible things to come, things that would alter their lives. Latoya had just become a victim of a specific class of sex offender, a man who gets a sexual thrill from putting his hands on women without justification. My investigation of Narendra Kumar Gupta, or Vinny as he's known, puts Latoya on a list with 17 other women, women who say the doctor groped, harassed, attacked, or subjected them to intimate exams without a nurse or chaperone in the room. Ten of the 18 women lived in Atlanta, and it was here that the doctor's compulsions would finally be exposed. Emergency service, Derek, can I have you? I need to do a uh, sexual abuse report. Okay. Where did it occur at, sir? At the doctor's office here in Fulton County. And the person who was molested? My daughter. Okay. Was it by a doctor or yeah, nurse? Yeah, a doctor. Doctor. There are new developments tonight in the case of a local doctor. He's accused of sexual battery. Tonight, he's out of jail. And more women are coming forward. They say they are victims, too. He told me to remove my bra, and then he was touching my breast, and then uh-huh. he... Went to your shoulder? Yes. Okay, and then he went back to your breast? Yes. I could not get justice in America. And justice in America, once you are labeled as somebody who's abused women, everybody abandons you. I was, um... I was really embarrassed of what happened. I didn't think anybody would believe me. Just because he was a very prominent doctor and I was basically nobody. I think we all know that there are people who are above the law. And I'm wondering, I mean, is it doctors are above the law too? More important question is, what do you want to take place about this? Are you wanting to pursue criminal charges against him? Or or Everything possible. Welcome to Breakdown, Season 3. I'm Johnny Edwards, a reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's investigative team. In Season 1 of Breakdown, our veteran legal affairs reporter Bill Rankin told you the story of Justin Chapman, a man unfairly convicted of murder. In Season 2, Bill took you deep inside the trial of Justin Ross Harris, who killed his toddler son by leaving him in a hot car. Bill Rankin admitted to you early on in Breakdown that he's no Sarah Koenig, the mastermind of Serial. So now I should tell you that I'm no Bill Rankin. Well, I am Bill Rankin, and I'll be back later this year with another season of Breakdown. In the meantime, my friend Johnny has an amazing story to tell you. For this installment of the series, we'll look at another kind of breakdown, when a guilty man, a predator by all accounts, gets let off the hook over and over again. Unfortunately, this happens all the time, all across the country. I've spent most of the past year researching the nationwide phenomenon of sexual abuse by doctors. I was part of the team of investigative reporters and editors that produced an award-winning series of articles for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that published last year, exposing a culture within the medical field that ignores this behavior and gives serial predators a pass. A physician sexually exploiting a patient is an act of degradation, one that often leaves a permanent psychological mark. Victims will tell you it's an egregious form of assault. It's duplicitous. It's a betrayal of trust. Gary Schoner is a clinical psychologist from Minneapolis who has consulted in thousands of cases of sexual abuse by doctors, therapists, counselors, and priests. 
You can have somebody that has trouble getting out of their mind, has long-term post-traumatic stress symptoms uh, on the one hand where they really don't ever get over it and they get some treatment, but it still affects them. They still flash back to it. There are other people that say, geez, I'm, I'm really glad I dealt with that. It's disgusting that a guy like that's practicing, but I feel good about the fact that at least I helped stop him. Then you have the women that feel badly they didn't come forward. They're glad somebody did, but then they feel guilt that these other women wouldn't have been abused had they done something. But there are definitely some people that become pretty badly unhinged and are not easily treated. This personal violation is often treated as a mere professional infraction. Hospitals might handle the allegations in-house to avoid publicity. They may view the doctor not as a criminal, but as psychologically impaired, sending him to a refresher course or a stint in therapeutic rehabilitation. State licensing boards may prefer to sanction doctors administratively or privately. But make no mistake, This is not some breach of etiquette or a case of some guy at the office who can't keep his hands to himself. The exalted position of doctors in our culture makes it easy for some physicians to do this and hard for people to believe it, even the people to whom it's happening. Combine that with the fact that doctors can hire the best lawyers money can buy, and we get a system that can violate victims twice, first by their abuser and then by a system that's supposed to protect them. Veronique Valier is a forensic psychologist from Pennsylvania who has worked with sexual offenders and victims for 25 years. Dr. Valier told me that sexual abuse by someone a victim trusts, like a doctor, for example, can be even more damaging than assault by a stranger. If you are taking something out of the trunk of your car and some stranger comes and hits you in the head and rapes you, the whole society knows who's the perpetrator and who's the victim. So your chances of being believed are high, your chances of being supported and not blamed for any choices you make are very high. The status of the offender will be irrelevant. When you have something that happens more insidiously or covertly, the victim's ability to disclose goes down because they're afraid all this self-doubt creeps in, like, am I being oversensitive? Did I really experience this? Was it a mistake? I've been looking at the Gupta case for five months. It's one of the most outrageous doctor sex abuse cases to arise here in Atlanta. However, it never received much attention in the local news media. Most of Gupta's victims didn't even know how the case had turned out or what became of the man who violated them. Here's a mea culpa. This news organization and others in the metro Atlanta area covered Gupta's two arrests as breaking news. But I can't find a report by us or anybody on the conclusion of the case or what investigators uncovered. Best I can figure... The crimes just weren't considered egregious enough to still be on anybody's radar years later. Now it's time to rectify that as much as we still can. One of the Atlanta victims, Crystal Douglas, said she sure wishes she'd known about it when Gupta went to court. Had I known that there were others and had they contacted me to testify, I would have been there and I would have said what he did. I would have said something. My investigation found that before his Atlanta crimes came to light, Gupta sexually violated women on a serial basis, with little regard for the people he hurt or the emotional wreckage he caused. He abused the daughters of his friends and neighbors. He abused a college student. He abused co-workers. Some of his own employees accused Gupta of groping and harassing them. He's even been accused by a job applicant of groping her during the interview. His behavior continued for at least 14 years throughout most of the time he lived in the United States. 
People in positions of power could have done something about Gupta long before he moved to Atlanta. But did they? Most of the women I spoke to described Gupta as being, in their words, touchy-feely right from the get-go. One woman said he would hug her so much the smell of his cologne would stick to her clothes afterward. Another recalled this. He just started to get more familiar with me every time. Like he would hug me and kiss me on both cheeks and smell my hair and really wrap me up in like a really tight, long hug, like sniffing me, like I could feel him and hear him sniffing in my ear. And I thought, oh my gosh, this guy's weird. I thought, well, maybe maybe it's because he's Indian and this is a cultural thing. I didn't know. That wasn't it at all. We've all seen guys act like this, putting a woman in an awkward spot and making everyone else queasy. These guys usually require intervention of some sort, maybe by human resources or a bouncer. Gupta's offenses would put him in a sphere far beyond that of your typical barroom cretin, though. The touchy-feely behavior was just step one. In some documented cases, nurses who rebuffed his advances say he became aggressive, grabbing them and trying to restrain them against their will. In other cases, women he worked with saw his unwanted touching as sexual harassment. His profession gave him the perfect mechanism for targeting women. Under the guise of medical examinations, he could get a woman alone in a room order her to undress, render her vulnerable and submissive. Here's Dr. Schoner again. In the context of a medical examination, there are lots of opportunities to do things you couldn't get away with in everyday life. You go to a party if you're male and grab a woman's breast, you're in trouble. You do it as a breast exam, it's a totally different ballgame. Is there a name for what this is? Is there a name for this? Well, I call it predator myself. I mean, I think the issue is it's a sexual impulse control disorder, but there are tons of types, tons of reasons, and only some of it is understood. Some states require that male doctors have chaperones in the room during intimate exams of women. Most states don't require it. In Georgia, it's a rule set by the state's composite medical board. Gupta not only ignored the rule, He'd sometimes go out of his way to shut his nurses out, according to accounts in his police file. In this setting, he could feel a woman's bare breasts and dupe her into thinking he was doing it for her own good. I spoke to one woman, a Russian immigrant, who briefly worked as a receptionist for Gupta when she was 20. She said her boss talked her into staying after hours one evening so he could give her a physical, since she had no health insurance at the time. She said she was all alone with him when this happened. Well, he made me stand against the wall. He made me put like my arm like that on the wall and and stand it. And he was just like, you know, like touching my breasts. From my experience of it, it would take way, it took way too long. And before that, that was my first time I've ever had it done on me. And thereafter, I had it done with different doctors. And it was not. It was way, way, way more than it was necessary. Like the other doctor, it just takes him like five seconds to do it. He could also order a woman to pull down her pants, and she would do it. Several victims told me he touched them without wearing latex gloves. This often indicates that a doctor is not examining a woman, but exploiting her. A dead giveaway for sex abuse, according to Dr. Schoner. Latoya said Dr. Gupta wasn't wearing gloves when he reached into her underwear. Here's another one of his victims talking to police in 2009. Then he told me, open my underwear, open my pants, open my pants, and then he put his hand through my underwear, and with his, this finger, the middle finger, put his hand on my clitoris. So how did Vinny Gupta fare in the criminal justice system? First, let's talk about how he came to be in the system at all. In the end, an angry father turned him in. Local police charged him with sex crimes that had Gupta facing decades in prison. Victim after victim came forward. 
telling Johns Creek police what he'd done to them in years past. A detective dug deep into the doctor's background and built a comprehensive case showing a pattern of sexual abuse going back decades, with a trail of victims stretching from Canada to Ohio to Atlanta. The detective turned everything over to the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. All the victims, all their stories. So he started to, to feel my breast, but then he started to squeeze my nipples. And when he Never did that, word. he reached down with his arms around me and held my arms down. He pulled me up and over his Practically sitting between my legs. Rubbed his hand on my thigh, and I sat back. Theoretically, I've never had a, a physician do, you know, that kind of check on you without having somebody present. But then at the same time, it wasn't. From my was down, experience so. of it, it would take way, it took way too long. And before that, that was my first time. And then he starts moving down and opening my gown, and he's just going down and he's just filling he on my breast and, and then he broken. Told me, Open my underwear, open my pants, open my pants, and then he put his hand in through my underwear, and then he went back to my um, breast. He told me to remove my bra, and then he was touching my breast, and then he went to the And he leaned in so close to me, he rubbed his penis on my knee. Like I could feel his private parts on my knee and grazing, like cop in the field, you know? And I was like, oh, I knew right then that everything I thought about was getting out of here. So I left and I went home. Fulton County's top prosecutor, DA Paul Howard, took it from there. How he handled it will shock you. I spoke to Gupta briefly by phone in December 2016. He thinks he got a raw deal. The case that started it all is all nonsense. But you know what it is, is uh, I never got justice. I could never be hurt. I was presumed to be guilty. He blamed the media for turning his case into a circus. And he blamed police for targeting him because he's Indian. The media and the police and I, being a foreign doctor, never got justice over there. Gupta was born in Patna, an ancient, affluent city in eastern India along the Ganges River. His medical career took him to the United Kingdom, then Canada, then the United States, where he became a citizen. Before we resume, I need to tell you something, something about the way the newspaper operates. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution normally doesn't identify victims of sexual assault or sexual abuse, unless the victims want us to. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they prefer to protect their privacy. We spoke to 11 of Dr. Gupta's victims. We offered all of them the opportunity to remain unidentified or to just be identified by a first name. Some, like Latoya Kelly, wanted to be fully identified. Perhaps it was in hopes of empowering other victims of sex abuse or as a way of finally standing up to the man who took advantage of them all those years ago, or both. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. 
Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. It was toward the end of Gupta's time in the U.S. that LaToya, or Coco as her friends and family call her, first encountered the doctor. She found him on the internet. Hello and welcome. This is Dr. Narendra Kumar Gupta. I'm the medical director of the Diabetes Hypertension Center, and I'm going to talk to you about hypertension. Hypertension is a silent killer. It's a slowly progressive disease, and if you have to her, symptoms with he seemed charming. He seemed knowledgeable about her problem. By all appearances, he was a respected professional in a highly specialized field. At the time, I was 27. I had just turned 27. I went to my gynecologist for a um, annual physical. There, they discovered I had um, high blood pressure, so they told me that I had to find a hypertension um, specialist. Came home, did some research, never heard of a hypertension specialist before, so I wanted to educate myself on it. So I come home, started Googling hypertension specialists, and Dr. Gupta was the first person to pop up. There he was, at the top of her search page. Dr. Narendra K. Gupta, diabetes and hypertension specialist. Gupta, it seems, had mastered what's known as SEO, search engine optimization meaning anyone looking for a doctor like him in the area would find him near the top in a Google search. LaToya went to his clinic's webpage, which showed off his brick facade building with its twin-pitched roofs in the new city of Johns Creek in affluent North Fulton County. The website had page links on hypertension, diabetes, and obesity. Under a graphic of a Golden Award ribbon, it boasted his recognition by the American Diabetes Association and the National Committee on Quality Assurance. His reviews were glowing. She also came across his series of videos on YouTube. It's my distinct pleasure to welcome you to this series of programs. And I'm going to talk about not what doctors prescribe to you, but five ways. Five ways in which you can be successful in your life. Whether it's diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all of them are very important. And the first thing is we have to learn not to overburden the system. LaToya says she researched three or four other doctors, but none offered the kind of in-depth knowledge that Gupta was giving out on the web for free. In the videos, Gupta spoke into the camera, delivering long lectures about high blood pressure, diabetes in women, and how to lose weight. So breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. What happens is, we rush out of the house. The videos were slickly produced with animated medical illustrations and cutaway footage of patients in treatment or healthy looking people going about their daily lives while Gupta talked. So I um, started reading his background and uh, his education and watching videos on YouTube and on his page. And it seemed like he was very knowledgeable of um, the disease. Something else was going on in LaToya's life at the time. Just months earlier, in 2008, she had met the love of her life, Terry Davis, the man who would later make her LaToya Coco Davis. Actually, we met in the pool hall. Um, she was there with some co-workers, and I was there with one of my best friends. 
and our tables were were basically side by side. And uh, I noticed her when she walked in. I seen her, and she could shoot pool pretty good. And she's a trash talker. I shoot pretty good, but I'm not better than my best friend, so I don't talk to a lot of trash when we shoot pool, obviously. But when I was shooting, I would turn around and notice somebody was looking at my my tush. I, I fell in love with her very quickly. So they fell in love so fast and so hard that when Terry found out about the hypertension diagnosis, he already knew LaToya well enough to know that she couldn't be trusted to follow through with a doctor's instructions. Sure, she'd find herself a specialist, but would she make the lifestyle changes the doctor suggested? Would she fill the prescriptions he gave her? Keep her appointments? Terry had his doubts, and that's how he came to be in the exam room with her that day. At first, nothing seemed out of the ordinary about Dr. Gupta's office, his staff, or him. They uh, took my blood pressure, saw that it was high, and immediately wanted to do an echocardiogram because it can affect the heart. So there I agreed to do an echocardiogram. There, a young lady came in and um, was hooking me up to a machine. And while she was doing that, Dr. Gupta came in the room, introduced herself to both me and my fiancé, and started uh, basically giving me a little background knowledge of how hypertension can affect the heart and um, the causes and the effects of it. Gupta seemed every bit the professional that he appeared to be on YouTube. She recalled that when he first met her, all he did was shake her hand. Terry said he also thought Gupta seemed like a nice guy at first, but as he peppered the doctor with questions, a lot of questions, Gupta seemed to grow weary of the interrogation. His approach appeared to normal people that without medical degrees as natural. But when you start asking questions and digging into what he's actually doing and what he's doing it for, that's when he showed uncomfort to me, which elevated my uncomfort. When he reached in her pants, that's when I got up out my seat. Part of him wanted to pull Gupta off his girlfriend, maybe slug him in the jaw. Of course, Terry did no such thing. I, I put it like this. All In all honesty, the reason I didn't do anything to him is because I thought maybe I was overreacting because of my lack of knowledge. At that time, if I knew what I was feeling was right, honestly, I would have punched him. This time, Gupta wasn't explaining anything to Terry. He told him that if he couldn't be quiet, he needed to get out. Terry left the room. Gupta stopped the exam and started writing something in LaToya's chart. Then Terry inadvertently brought the appointment to an end. Terry burst back into the room without knocking, saying he'd forgotten his cell phone. Well, it seemed like that kind of upset Dr. Gupta or whatnot, and he uh, walked out, and the nurse came back in once the test was done, and she... Um, perceived to take the, the uh, stickers and things off of me, and um, that pretty much concluded um, that visit there. Gupta would be cordial again in the hallway as they made their departure. A little too cordial, in fact. The hugging, the kissing, the affectionate comments. Still trusting in Gupta's medical expertise, Latoya and Terry didn't realize yet what had just happened in that room. They would put it all together later, and so would police. It's frustrating for LaToya to think about it now. She grew up in the tiny town of Goodwater, Alabama, population 1,500, before making the move to the big city as a young adult. By the time she was 27, she considered herself worldly, streetwise, tech-savvy, but she let Gupta dupe her. So when I was doing the research on him, nothing else popped up on him. Nothing but the YouTube videos, nothing but his website, 
and you go and you hear him, and you're, you're hearing him speak. He's got a five-star rating. And I'm like, oh, man, this is perfect. You see actual reviews, which you don't see any negative reviews. So that's what most people in my case would look at the reviews. Okay, see the bad, see the good. Then you make your decision. But you don't think to just say, hey, Narendra K. Gupta, Google, sex cases or lawsuits. You don't think nothing like that to do that. So Later that year, she did run a search like that. It was after the scope of Gupta's abuse had come to light and Latoya had been swept into the world of police, lawyers, judges, grand juries, and the state medical board. She sat back down at her computer one night and ran Narendra K. Gupta through Google again, using the different search terms. This time, something else popped up, something she'd missed before. I knew it was um, eight other women at that time. That's what prompted me to do more research on my own and I came home and Googled him and found the same thing in Ohio. Found that it was a lady um, that came forward in Ohio. I only found like one case then. What she found was a court of appeals decision from the year 2000. It was from a civil lawsuit filed by a nurse who worked with Gupta in Ohio. The name of the case was Marjorie Jacobs versus Narendra K. Gupta, MD. The court record, which was an opinion rejecting Gupta's appeal in the case, had been posted on the Ohio Judicial System's website. It said Jacobs had won a $100,000 jury verdict against Gupta. It contained words like sexual assault, sexual misconduct, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. The lawsuit accused Gupta of attacking Nurse Jacobs in the coronary care unit of a hospital in the city of Lima, Ohio, way back in 1994. It described sexual harassment on the job leading up to that hugging her tight, trying to kiss her on the lips. Here's the plaintiff, Marjorie Jacobs, describing what happened when I interviewed her for this podcast. Well, he, like I said, he put his arm around me, get too low, he'd bring it down my back, run it over my butt, you know, and all this stuff. Um, he would try to kiss me when he would be in the supply closet, you know. Her lawsuit accused Gupta of rubbing her inner thighs and her breasts. Marjorie recalled some of that happening under the desk at the nurse's station where the nurses sat with doctors to go over patient charts. And he'd be under the table and he'd have his hand up, running it up and down my thigh under that table. And I'd push it away. I said, stop touching me. Okay, okay. Two seconds later, he'd have his hand right back on my thigh again and I'd push it off again. According to the account described in the Court of Appeals opinion, this harassment culminated with Gupta grabbing the nurse from behind in a patient's room, dragging her into a corner, trying to kiss her, and forcibly groping her. I mean, I really thought he was going to, if, I, if he had the opportunity, I think, he, I mean, he would have raped me. I really do believe, and it didn't matter if there was a comatose patient laying in that bed. Nurse Jacobs wasn't alone. The court opinion said another nurse at a different hospital in Lima also accused Gupta of grabbing her, first rubbing her thigh while she sat at the nurse's station, and then trying to pull her into his office. That other nurse didn't want to participate in this podcast, so I'm not naming her. Here she is in Allen County Court when she testified at Marjorie Jacobs' civil trial. This is from an 18-year-old multi-track cassette tape dug out of storage in the Lima Courthouse, so bear with me. He just kept saying, I want to talk to you when you come into my office, and I kept saying no. And he grabbed my left arm, and he had to hold my arm really tight, and I can remember, you know, telling him, you know, you have to stop, I'm not going to go in there. And at one point, he had a hold of my hair, and he pulled my hair, and he pulled on my shirt, the jury found that Dr. Gupta's conduct towards Jacobs was extreme and outrageous. 
intolerable, and unacceptable. LaToya read about all this and wondered, if these things had happened in the 1990s, how was Gupta still a practicing doctor in 2009? Why didn't he lose his license? Wouldn't George's medical board have communicated with Ohio's before granting him a license here? She wondered why Dr. Gupta didn't go to jail for attacking nurses, which would have been something LaToya would have found on the internet alongside Gupta's self-promoting YouTube videos like this one. Tell us, uh, how did you find us, and what made you come when you came to this office? Well, actually, believe it or not, I let my fingers do the walking, and I found Dr. Gupta in the Yellow Pages. Wonderful. Tell me, uh, once you arrived here, what were the medical problems that you were having, and what made you come, and what was the experience after having come here? I came to Dr. Gupta because I had hypertension, diabetes, and unbeknownst to me, he was the best in both. By finding the Ohio court opinion, LaToya had seen through the illusion. She was staring at one of the earliest breakdowns, the failure of the U.S. medical profession to stop Gupta. Ohio's medical board did know about the accusations against Gupta. One of the hospitals where Gupta worked sent him to treatment for what is termed a psychosexual disorder a common tactic of medical professionals for shielding predator doctors. The therapy went so badly, the hospital revoked Gupta's privileges. Later, yet another nurse sued him for employment discrimination, saying he sexually harassed her on the job by kissing her head and pushing his genitals into her thigh. She reported him to the Ohio Medical Board, too, according to Gupta's attorney at the time. But Ohio never took any action against Gupta's medical license. Not publicly, anyway. I think it started in Ohio. Ohio, the people in Ohio, the boards, they could have oh, protected yeah. us. Yeah, that board absolutely failed. Yeah. I mean, we that's, that's no, or, there's no other way to say that. They or absolutely failed. Georgia not following up properly, we don't know. Somebody between Ohio and the state of Georgia failed us. Still to come on Breakdown. As the victim count rises in Atlanta, the doctor's abuse of LaToya Kelly escalates. It will literally mess your head up. It will. Back in Ohio, a working woman's life and career shattered by a doctor's unrelenting sexual harassment. The story of Marjorie Jacobs. I lost my job, I lost my career. And for what? Because he got to go free. I, I don't get it. And how much did Ohio's medical board know about Gupta's sexual misconduct? Did investigators know about this allegation involving a teenage patient? I was like, oh, you did not have a nurse in here. You did not put any gloves on. And me knowing that, that he should have had both of those, I started to question, oh man, did he just do something wrong? You've been listening to Breakdown, Predator MD, by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The story was reported and told by Johnny Edwards, produced by Richard Hallix. Audio is by Chris Basta of Bare Knuckles Creative in Atlanta. Music was composed and performed by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. Additional music composed and performed by Chris Basta. Special thanks to Bert Roten, Sean McIntosh, Lois Norder, Buddy Hall, and Chris Nicholson. The doctor will be right in to see you.